When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. There is an alien among us. A superior being from a place called Krypton. Deep in the heart of the city, he watches for signs of danger. Ready to act on a moment's notice. His true name is Kal-El. You know him as Superman. Maybe you ladies haven't heard about me. The future of Metropolis is in the hands of the Man of Steel. Get up. He's gonna be busy. I said get up. Superman. Welcome, everybody, to episode 235 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. Well, as of now, anyway. It's Liam. Liam. (laughs) I don't say that ominously like I'm going to subvert your power. I'm just saying that. If Twitter still exists, if this is 50 mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. in the future, whenever from now, from whatever now is, and Twitter is no longer a website, then Liam doesn't run our Twitter account. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, not not commenting on current events here. We're, we need to make this thing evergreen. Sorry. Uh, Liam, we are continuing here in the month of month of november as we continue covering uh what is left of the superman the animated series material that we have and uh because of our limited uh, time remaining here in the sunny skies of metropolis we're doing something a little different than we haven't done before uh with this week's reveal that is right so uh, as folks will no doubt remember in the past anytime we had a two-part or three-part in some case uh adventure we have uh, always reviewed them together and kind of give one, uh, you know, one uniform score for, for the, the overall uh, story, uh, the, the plot, the, the visuals, the music, and the voice acting for all parts. And we will still keep with that. There's only going to be one score when all is said and done. But our, uh, our coverage of these two-part episode, of this two-part episode in question uh, will be split over two weeks. So we will just be talking this week about part one of Blasts from the Past. That's blasts with an S. <laughs> right. Not a single blast. Although it could be argued that this episode was a single blast from the past. But 
you know, we, I, we digress. But yes, Liam, we am excited to review part one of this this week. And then, as you mentioned, we will get to part two in next week's episode, which uh, a little give us a little bit of a time to sort of stop and smell the roses, something we may feel rushed at times to do to get through uh, a two, two-parter. Mm-hmm. So trying something new, uh, give us some feedback on social medias uh, based on how you like us breaking down this two-parter. And perhaps in the future, we will uh, do the same, give some dedicated time to each individual episode. But uh, speaking of this week's episode, part one, and we will get into our official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which originally aired here in the United States on the Kids WB back on September the 8th, 1997, meaning we uh, we just passed the 25 year anniversary of this episode's debut. And of course, the official IMDb synopsis is brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower and subscribe today. And not only will you get our entire catalog of episodes uh, including bonus episodes and uh, prior episodes including all of our superman the animated series coverage we will also get some great content from other dcau content creators liam hit us with that imdb synopsis that's right so this is the synopsis for blasts from the past part one uh, which is written by Robert Goodman, directed by Dan Reba, with music by Christopher Carter, and animation by Coco and Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Upon discovery of the Phantom Zone projector in his ship, Superman makes contact with and releases a prisoner whose sentence is completed. Hmm. Okay, there's some odd wording in there, a couple different places, but mm-hmm. it, 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 I guess it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not factually incorrect, right? But uh, there, it leaves something to be desired here, both in in word structure and uh, detail. Yeah, well, that uh, I guess will get us started here with our official synopsis of the episode. And uh, we we open things up with Professor Hamilton, Emil Hamilton, as we talked about, arguably the best, maybe definitely top five, if not top one tans in all of the DCA mm-hmm. here. Uh, the man just is out in the sun all day, every day, whenever he doesn't have that long white lab coat on he just must be out in, on the beaches of metropolis just tanning because that man has a beautiful tan but it's between uh, him i think it's between him and pre two-faced harvey dent right like throw lex luther maybe lex yeah, yeah 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 yep those characters who are who ambiguous ambiguous uh racially ambiguous i think is the term that bruce tim used on one of the mm-hmm. uh, one of the uh one of the accompanying tracks for uh, for for the episodes there, but yes, uh, so we we have Emil Hamilton uh, working on Superman's ship. Superman arrives and offers to lend a hand, but I love this little bit. Emil Hamilton is, despite having literally the strongest being on Earth at, at his disposal, there insists that he's going to try and open this contra- uh, compartment that seems to be to to be jammed, and he's able to get it open and. Uh, Inside lurks a uh, a mysterious looking device, and we are we come to learn that this is in fact 
the Phantom Zone projector as uh, as they begin sort of taking a look at it and, and beginning to dissect just what this contraption is. There seems to be a compartment in here that I haven't noticed before. I think you'll find this very interesting. The Phantom Zone. Believe it or not, we're looking through to another dimension. Incredible. I saw this in Brainiac's orb. On Krypton, this is where they imprison dangerous aliens. Amazing. I do wish the image were clearer. You see that there's a, a viewfinder that you can look through and they begin to see these fantastical creatures and different beings moving about. And Superman gives us a little bit of dialogue. Uh, we have heard the Phantom Zone mentioned a couple of times, I believe, before, including mm-hmm. in The Last Son of Krypton. Uh, Jor-El's, uh, Jor-El mentions it in passing as an option uh, to try and save the entire planet. They were going to uh, move everybody to the Phantom Zone and then, I guess, launch the uh, launch the rocket off of Krypton and then kind of relocate everybody out of the Phantom Zone. But of course, uh, we know how that went. So uh, we've gotten some mentions and uh, Superman seems to be up to seems to be very up to speed on what this is, that it's a different dimension. And there's some there are beings that are trapped in that phantom zone. Uh, he I think he refers to it as the uh, as the, uh, the the worst creatures or the uh, the most dangerous creatures on Krypton uh, mm-hmm. are, are, are captured and kept there. And uh, as uh, Professor Hamilton, who uh, he really is the fool a little bit in this episode, is he decides she's just going to start pressing buttons you know what what's the worst that could happen you just start twisting knobs and pressing buttons and wouldn't you know he inadvertently releases a crab lobster uh, praying mantis salamander salamander (laughs) thing yes fish thing that uh that uh, is is twice the size of the building that they're in and breaks out and get, goes on the loose, much to his chagrin. Superman quickly jumps into action and uh, as the creature remarkably has the power of flight immediately, like ha- is able mm-hmm. to fly, which makes me wonder, like, could this creature fly on Krypton? Could this mm-hmm. maybe maybe this just had built in flight because he had zero sun exposure and he's flying around and no trouble flying at all, flies directly towards Metropolis. Superman races into action and is able to, uh, thankfully, with the help of a telephone pole, swing and bat this creature back towards Star Labs, where it lands safely just in time for Superman to subdue it enough for Professor Hamilton to untwist the knobs and send this creature back <laughs> to the uh, to the Phantom Zone. Hurry, Professor. Last time, turn it the other way. You okay? Yes. 
just making a mental note to label that now. And uh, they, uh, <laughs> they really built that machine on like the Star Wars method. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing has a label. There's not even like it's not like there's Kryptonian writing. Nope. That Professor Hamilton can't read. It's just three yellow knobs. There's and if you twist, and, you can twist them all, and they it, like maybe they interact with each other, and that's how you release things. It's not very clear because mm-hmm. at one point, Professor Howard is just twisting all of them in different directions, like an old fashioned mm-hmm. television. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, yeah. they, they thankfully are able to subdue and get the creature sent back to the zone. But uh, as they are looking through the viewfinder, they see a, uh, a human form or at least a Kryptonian human form, uh, swim by, float by. And uh, she begins calling out, demanding uh, to see the council and wondering who's there and demanding to see them, demanding to be released, that she served her sentence and uh, demands at one point to see jor even, that he would know exactly what's going on. Help me! Hello? Have you come to release me? Who are you? Mala! Where is the council? The council isn't here. My name is Kalel. Kalel? Please bring Jorel. He will know. Jorel? Wasn't that your father? Yes. Hell, please. And uh, Kal-El, a.k.a. Superman, introduces himself and uh, tries to get more information out of her so he can head back to the old Fortress of Solitude and uh, get some answers from Alexa. I mean, uh, Brainiac. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, And we do get a a pretty uh, lovely flashback sequence to Krypton where we are informed that Mala is uh, is the second in command of this uh, Kryptonian general. Welcome to Krypton. Tell me about Mala. One moment, please. Mala, at the peak of her career, was second in command of planetary defenses, answering only to the high general himself, Jaxor. And when our defenses have been diminished to a pitiful strike force, who will save Krypton from its enemies? Jaxur and Mala, brilliant warriors each, stood together in service to the Council for years, until the thirst for power corrupted Jaxur's mind. The Council has grown weak. Krypton needs a strong leader to reclaim its former greatness. And I am that leader. Together... We will usher in a new age of strength and order for all. Not Zod, but uh, but Jack Zur, uh, sort of another another famous uh, Kryptonian rogue from the uh, from the comics. He was more more of like an, an evil scientist, kind of like a, I guess a, a mirror reflection of uh, of Jor El in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, here they've sort of taken the name uh, and, and I guess his, his leadership of this, this faction of, of people and then sort of combined him with the more broader, uh, uh, you know, strength through power, uh, General Zod uh, motif that, uh, that, that we get, that we get in the uh, in depictions of that character and kind of smushed them into one as 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 would often happen i think with with dcau versions of uh, of certain characters 
uh, will sometimes uh, take on aspects of, uh, of other similar characters there. So that, that sort of exists here as we, we hear uh, a pretty arousing speech from, uh, from Jexer <laughs> in the past as it's sort of noted that, they, that he and Mala were the, the, the leader and second in command, uh, respectively, of the Kryptonian army, and that they were great warriors who served the, uh, the Kryptonian council for years. But uh, as time went on, uh, Jaxer had a, a certain lust for power. And uh, uh, stop me if you've heard this uh, before, folks. Uh, there's a, he is a, a leader who says that the current regime is going to reduce uh, military power down to a small strike force, which and then asks, how will Krypton defend itself from its enemies? Mm-hmm. Nothing, no, no real world counterparts. No. He also promises that he can uh, that uh, that Krypton needs a strong leader to help it reclaim its former greatness, mm. Mm. and that he will restore strength and order. You know, people say the Simpsons predicted the future really well uh, without naming names here. I mean, this is a little spot on. And if that mm-hmm. if that isn't that's not the end, like the next part, he, the man leads what is literally referred to as an insurrection. He sure does. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little on the nose. I was I. uh yeah so that that is in fact what ha- what happened he uh promises to restore strength and order and then and then leads a coup attempt which is uh is foiled uh by uh by Jorel and and some other uh, allies of the council and and uh, it, is, it is noted that in the aftermath Jaxer and all of his followers are arrested with uh, Jaxer and Mala being uh, sent to the phantom zone though it's noted that Jaxter alone takes responsibility for planning the coup. So there's one difference here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, <laughs> and so, uh, so, and so he is sentenced to life in the phantom zone, whereas Mala is given a mere 20 years. Uh, so with that knowledge in hand, uh, it's, it's also noted by the way that the council took, took pity on Mala as they found that she was, and I quote, just following orders (laughs) it's not a subtle it's not a subtle scene i'll just i'll just say that if this Um, had been written in 2022 people would be there would be a large outcry of people claiming that this was woke garbage i'm just gonna i'm just mm -hmm. gonna say that and and right or wrong i'm just saying that that's there would definitely be a portion of people saying that this was woke garbage Oh yeah, oh yeah. This this would be there'd be a thousand YouTube videos mm-hmm. with like this scene and red circles and arrows and a guy making a an ink. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, be it would be like whole, there'd be an entire cottage industry <laughs> of of <laughs> uh, reactionary YouTubers based off of this one scene if it was uh, if it was created today. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Based on the knowledge that uh, that Mala has uh, has served her sentence, and uh, uh, ultimately seems to be at least a little bit uh, contrite, a little bit uh, uh, willing to uh, to respect the uh, the rule of law going forward, she uh, Superman and Professor Hamilton reunite and decide to let her out, and uh, it's very quickly established that it's things are a bit overwhelming for her as she's. 
very quickly notices that she's not on Krypton and then sort of has to be made aware by Superman and uh, and Professor Hamilton that uh, that Krypton has been destroyed and that uh, that things are going to be different here as a uh, <laughs> Talk about like a, just a random location change. Uh, Superman notes that uh, that he's going to need a place for Mala to stay, and so Professor Hamilton offers up the Star Labs cabin. Of course, the retreat. It's where all the it's, you know they got to have get-togethers, and and the professors mm-hmm. got to you know discuss and figure things out. But they they can't do so while they're in their stuffy lab coats and they're with their computers and their. Mm-hmm nerdy stuff around they got to get out to, in, in, into, into the great outdoors you know green right. green grass and, and wood and trees and stuff you think hamilton's out there chopping wood he's, definitely. Uh, definitely it's how he gets that the fire going that's right he's getting that tan out there chopping down chopping down trees and doing manly outdoor stuff i really like this picture we're painting of <laughs> Professor Hamilton, ostensibly like the most boring character in this series until Justice League. Yep. Um, and now he's like, he's, he's the like epi- a surfer dude and, and an outdoorsman. He's the epitome, epitome of masculinity. He's just out there, just like shirtless, chopping down trees. And then on the weekends, he's at the beach, just like picking up chicks. Like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, this is what this. happens when you give us more time to discuss a plot. So maybe if you don't like this, this goofiness, this you're going to vote down for breaking down two parters into one parter or into uh, multiple say, episodes. We would definitely not have time for extended Professor Hamilton <laughs> riffs if we had another part to talk about here. But yeah, uh, so Super, Superman takes Mala to the uh, to the retreat and uh, sort of helps her. We see sort of a, a brief montage of her testing out and sort of uh, learning her, her new powers that she's getting under this yellow sun from, uh, from the heat vision to her, her super strength. And it's like uh, a Rocky training montage, except it's a Kryptonian getting powers. Pretty much. Yeah. Which, which one had, which Rocky movie had the one set in the woods? Is that, is that four? Mm, maybe that's a, that. I think that's one of the, the few that I haven't seen the the uh, entirety of. So that okay. sounds right. It's not it's not any of the early ones because those were in meat lockers and running the steps and and right. So, yeah. Anywho, uh, <laughs> so many riffs. Yeah, we got a lot. So of, many diatribes. Yep. But uh, yeah, so we uh, we then see that uh, Superman decides that he thinks Mala is ready for a night out on the town on on patrol with him. And uh, and they they come across a, a group of bank robbers and Superman and Mala kind of split up to deal with them. With Superman going to chase down a, a car that's speeding away, Mala tracks down two that uh, that sort of went in the other direction. And it becomes very clear here that despite uh, Mala's uh, lip service to the contrary, that she those uh, some of those fascist ideals about uh, about strength and order. Uh, have not left her despite the 20 years in the Phantom Zone. You want to return what you stole. Yeah, yeah, just put me down, please. Beg me. I'm begging you, please. Mala, put him down. No! This one's confessed and promised restitution. But Mala, you can't... 
Whoa! Did Superman do this? What's with the woman? Are these Earth troops? Sort of. I am Mala, Superman's second in command. I offer you my promise to this world that I will follow in Superman's tradition of just rule with a fair hand. I thought I was career-minded. Yeah, it's almost immediate. Um, I, you know, I, I could probably save this to the end where we're talking about the plot, but I'll just interject here because we have the time. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love that Superman's heart here, his kindness and recognizing like the justice part of, of truth, ju- truth, justice in the American way or truth, justice and whatever the 2022 version is of that. Like a better I, tomorrow, a better tomorrow. Okay. Uh, it, so I love that that justice part is he sees that Mala was sentenced for 20 years. She's in this torturous alternate dimension. He recognizes it's it it's going to be a risk because she was clearly put in there because she was a dangerous criminal, but she's also served her time. He wants to give her a chance. He wants to give her an opportunity to redeem herself and, and, and be like him. Um, they don't really go into it. His sort of, maybe deeper motives, but perhaps having an ally, Um, you know, of course we get into it here shortly, you know, is he interested? It doesn't seem to be really interested in her romantically, but having another Kryptonian around no longer being the last uh, surviving being of Krypton uh, could be a motivation here for him. So I love that, but it also has this naive uh, edge to it because he immediately lets her on her first night out uh, decide to like fight crime on her own essentially he without supervision mm-hmm. he just leaves her on her own to take care of these two thugs and that was after her not so subtly remarking to Pre- professor hamilton that she uh she could she basically could crush him and that they, everybody else was a weakling on earth and she and and superman were the two strongest beings mm-hmm. so uh, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit naive of Superman to think that something wouldn't go wrong here as, as she, as she goes, zooms into action by herself. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So she, uh, she roughs up the criminals, probably uh, much worse than Superman would, but uh, she appears to be uh, uh, further threatening. Uh, one of the criminals, Superman returns to the scene and sort of talks her down and, at uh, which point, not only the cops but Lois Lane uh, show up <laughs> to see sort of the aftermath of the uh, of the brutality, and uh, she informs uh, she informs the cops and, in fact, the press by virtue of Lois being there that she uh, she plans to follow in Superman's uh, footsteps and rule with kindness. Yeah, um, a just uh, rule with a fair hand, she says. <laughs> it is it is we'll get into voice acting a little bit it's a very funny scene um uh but uh yeah it's it's so the uh the reaction to that again uh a a statement uh causing something of a uh a local media firestorm as we find out is that troublemaker angela chen is uh is uh, is, (laughs) is on is on the newscast we see mala watching i guess the next day and uh, she informs us that uh, while some people are excited at the prospect of a new superhero in town, 
uh, some are are uh, are a little bit more leery of of the fact of what she said and what her her quote to the press was, as we see Lex Luthor holding, I guess, some kind of rally, like an anti-Superman rally. Mala mania has even hit Metropolis mogul Lex Luthor, who had this to say about the ex-con from Krypton. Now the truth comes out. Superman and this woman fancy themselves our rulers. No doubt they plan to populate the Earth with Kryptonians, reducing us to slaves or pets. <laughs> An enticing notion. If Superman really cares about the human race, he should send this criminal back to where he found her. To that Phantom Zone dimension. I'm never going back! Never! Um, where he talks how uh you know he, he's acting like ah the, the the shoe is finally on the other foot we superman plans to rule the world and and he and uh he's brought molly here so that they can populate the world with kryptonians mm-hmm. and overrun the rest of us mm-hmm. again nothing no <laughs> real world parallels you <laughs> know getting on tv and yelling about how a group of people are going are going to uh change the population and overrun another group of people there are no mm-hmm. no parallels here no no not at all not at all couldn't pick couldn't pick one out if you tried um yeah but, but- uh, <laughs> yeah, predictably this makes mala very angry as she uh, she destroys the tv and uh, of course the last thing that really sets her off is that lex declares that uh, that superman should return her to the to the phantom zone which uh, which sets her off and she heads back to star labs to find uh, superman and hamilton who uh, happen to be having a conversation of just uh, about just that exact topic <sighs> all right nitpick time superman mm-hmm. liam superman well-known set of superpowers right super strength can fly mm-hmm. heat vision depending on the interpretation has that freeze breath thing mm-hmm. uh, pretty well known x-ray vision didn't mention that one heat vision mm-hmm. super hearing that's like that's a pretty well known power of his he's mm-hmm. superman he knows he has it there is another kryptonian within human earshot of of him in the same facility and he is openly talking about uh dis- discussing strategy with professor hamilton where if she doesn't shape up He's gonna have to send her back to the Phantom Zone, my man. What? What? <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't write this or type this out on a computer screen and send it via via email or just like write it down and like point to the sign like and, and like gesture to be quiet to Professor Hamilton here. Like, what? What's what? What are we thinking here? So yeah, of course he says this out loud. And after Mala has just uh, burned and, and blown up her own television, screaming, I'm never going back to the Phantom Zone, she overhears this conversation between Superman and Professor Hamilton where he's disappointed. Now, he does go out of his way to say that she needs to do some damage control. And Professor Hamilton asks if she can, you know, if there's, if the damage is, is irreparable at this point, and Superman isn't sure. But uh, Superman declares that they're going to go talk to the press and try and try and clean some things up a little bit here. Uh, But in the meantime, mentions that uh, if she doesn't shape up, he requests that the professor have the Phantom Zone ready just in case. And of course, uh, 
they walk out, walk right past her. Somehow the man with x-ray vision and super hearing didn't he- see or hear a, a Amazonian woman just lurking behind this wall here, but okay. Uh, and uh, she, uh, she decides sort of not so subtly at this point that she's going to, uh, she, uh, she's pretty much at her wit's end. She's, she's pretty much done with this whole thing. <laughs> But they go, uh, she decides she's going to speak to Lois Lane. So they meet with Lois on, uh, and, and, and Lois begins asking her some questions. Uh, there's some, some good, funny Lois bits here, but she basically, basically tries, uh, Mala tries to clear things up and say that, uh, you know, she's not looking to rule. She misunderstood Superman's place and Lois doesn't believe her, which is great. And then, uh, so Lois then throws a question at her. If, if, if they're more than just, uh, superhero partners, if, uh, if they plan on, if they do plan on having a romantic relationship together and there's that awkward moment that always happens in the movie where the, the male friend uh, says no, but she says yes. And there's this awkwardness between the two of them. So Mala is not too happy and she is letting her feelings known very openly uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned and all that stuff well she's not happy that she has been uh, been her her affection has been turned down superman insists that they're they're just going to be friends uh, but in the meantime he sort of lets slip based on his longing gaze towards lois that lois may be the object of his affection so uh mala l- lunges at lois grabs her by the throat and uh, well that's the last straw for superman as he breaks in and hurls mala across uh across the highway and there's a uh, there's some fighting that occurs he gets her in a headlock and begins flying her uh, assume back towards uh <laughs> towards the uh to uh towards star lab so that he can hopefully return her to the phantom zone but in the meantime she uh she gets out of this headlock pretty easily and hurls him through a a restaurant that's sort of shaped like the space needle and uh there's of course damage that's done superman must save the space needle restaurant from collapsing and falling and in the meantime mala gets away Superman rushes back to Star Labs where he unfortunately encounters a Professor Hamilton laying motionless on the ground. He, uh, he was able to revive him, but the professor mentions that Mala was there and she took the projector and we have, uh, we flash to Mala alone, I guess back by the cabin again, that's her, uh, her home base at this point, mm-hmm. uh, releasing uh, Jaxer, who we saw in the uh, in the Brainiac flashbacks before from the Phantom Zone, and uh, as he is released, she promises that uh, he's going to quite like their new home, and that is where our to be continued populates on the screen as we uh, we end this week's part one. That's right. So uh, yeah, I guess we can get into our scores here now that we've completed the recap. Uh, like. So it's funny because what we said, like we kind of mentioned this at the top of the show, but we're at the end of the uh, next week's review, we will have one score for both episodes. We're not going to do a score for this one, just because again, for every other two or three part episode we've ever done, we've always scored them together, but Mm -hmm. we'll have sort of our, our where we are at the end, we're going to give a plot score like normal, a a score for each category, like normal, not a final score. 
<laughs> right. It's it's our it's our midway point. It's our our, our halfway through the semester grading, <laughs> and uh, and we'll see if uh, if the points go up or down by the uh, by the end of next week. But uh, but yeah, here as we as we get to our plot score, I think it's it's fun because everything a bit more time to breathe because we're not trying to get it over in 22 minutes mm-hmm. or in this case like this one's all, this one's actually shorter this one was 19 minutes so they have even less time than normal i don't know if that's a if something was cut because like the you know it just didn't work or if there was a, a standards of practices thing that got got it cut at the last minute i don't i don't know any reason but this one is a couple minutes shorter than other episodes so uh, it, but that being said, because they're not trying to wrap up the whole story, you get time to build all of these characters. You get to know, uh, you know, you get more than like 15 seconds for a flashback of who Jaxer and, and Mala are. And, and you, you see how they, they sort of have an intrinsic hate of Jor-El, which will pay off when, you know, when Jaxer and Mala and Superman come to blows in, in part two, certainly, so I, I appreciate that. And then you get to see a little bit more of who Mala is. Cause I think, again, we'll see next week, maybe I'm wrong, but she kind of just becomes the second in command, much in the same way that like the, the Ursa character or the Feora character as, as they are used, usually play the second in command to, uh, to Zod in, in the various live action uh, movies and, and TV things that they've been in. So it's kind of fun that to see her come out first and kind of get her own little adventure and you learn about her and sort of what her views are and sort of the way that she is just clearly has a, 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 in more than one word, a lust for Mm -hmm. because while she apparently had some sort of romantic relationship with Jack, sir, she's also very willing to let Superman fill that role. Uh-huh. If, uh, if things had gone a uh, a different way in this in this episode so it's like it's you get to know more about like what makes her a psycho <laughs> in uh, in a way that maybe she wouldn't have time to if you brought them both out at the same time so i kind of like that we had this first part uh with it just being mala and just kind of letting the the dread of oh this is definitely going to go south uh, build almost until the end of the episode where they do finally come to blows, but then just kind of leaving us with the to be continued of, Oh no, it's going to get even worse. Cause now other guy, I think that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good cliffhanger there. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think uh, so. I, I scored my, my initial score here again, going to be updated after we see part two, but uh, initial scoring here on plot I gave was a six. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there are some interesting things here. I think this would have worked a little bit better if this Superman wasn't such a weakling (laughs) at times. (laughs) I think if, uh, if it didn't, I mean, and, and we've talked about before, like it's tough. It's tough to make a Superman show where Superman feels like he's in any peril, unless you sort of make him a, a weaker version of of the character. If he's impervious to everything, if he's overpowered, it's not going to be interesting. So you have to create tension and, and, you know, wonder whether or not Superman is going to be able to defeat, you know, the giant robot dinosaur Mm -hmm. or, or the giant robot rubber duck or (laughs) what other giant robots did he fight? The giant gorilla, 
the giant <laughs> ape, whatever it was, but not a robot, but ape. Uh, so yeah, there has to be some tension there. So, but with that, you know, you finally have somebody that's sort of Superman's equal here. There's the hope, like, you know, is this character going to be an ally for Superman? Is this someone that he can trust? Have they turned over a new leaf? I don't think it, I don't think it breathes enough for you to really get the idea that this character has anything that's redeemable. It's very quick to, to make her out to be somebody that is not a good Kryptonian. Like they're not they're, She's not good. She immediately like blows her chance. She immediately has this undercurrent, which is okay. Um, but I think that in some ways that makes Superman's decision to, to, put her on her own and to trust her feel a little bit again feel a little bit naive which mm. uh i i don't i don't like superman i i love that his his heart his good heart sometimes can blind him to some of those things like he wants to see the good in people he wants to see the good that this this person has been given a chance at you know 20 plus years being in the phantom zone you know maybe she has turned over a new leaf maybe she wasn't uh the mastermind behind this this insurrection attempt so maybe she really was just following orders maybe this he'll be able to give her uh you know better direction and and kind of lead her i can fix her is what superman's <laughs> superman's <laughs> brain brain says but unfortunately here it's very obvious from the beginning that she's she's sort of a loose cannon and because she's a kryptonian powered uh individual it's it feels it feels a little too naive for superman and and, and almost like he's just being dumb, which I don't, I don't like. It's a fine line. I just think it's a fine line there. So, um, you know, there's some fun, fun stuff. I think there's some good comedy here, some subtle comedy that's that that comes about when, especially during the lowest interview, um, the real world accidental real world parallels are, <laughs> are were a little bit distracting, but also you know made me chuckle a little bit. So, uh, it's not unenjoyable. I think we did mention last week. This is. This is one of those episodes that felt like it was in heavy, heavy, heavy rotation. Uh, or maybe, you know, we just saw it so many times that first couple seasons that they they played it that I, I kind of knew the beats to this episode, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, without having seen this in several, several years. So, yeah, I'm interested to see with what part two brings next week and uh, going through it with a fine tooth comb if this brings the score up at all. But, yeah, six out of ten was my uh, where I landed for this week. Yeah, I think right right now I'm sitting at a seven, so uh, not not far off from you. I think it's like I said. I think uh, I I just think it, the 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 fun dynamic of yes, and I think you can argue that maybe it it does it definitely borders on Superman being naive or stupid by you know letting her off <laughs> on her own devices, letting her kind of live by herself, and then and then. Uh, and all of that, and then letting her go after those criminals by herself. I think I think you do run the risk there. But I, yeah, I, I I guess I looked at the the glass half full side of it a little bit more, or tried to at least, and 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 just saw him he wanting to see the best in people as he always does, uh, uh, letting her out. But but I think and again we see we see in the scenes with with him talking to Hamilton, and then and then him sort of setting up this chance with Lois where he's he is 
he is kind of expecting it to go south there, but maybe he should have been more openly uh, skeptical from the start rather than kind of uh, being very gung-ho about having her uh, go on patrol with him a couple days after she got out of the uh, the Phantom Zone. So, but yeah, like I, th- I think the stuff I enjoyed other than, as you mentioned, the sort of the, the comedy of the, uh, just the really on the nose uh, modern day political parallels are, uh, yeah, I, 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 sh- I think it made me think uh, I've only really ever thought of Mala as like the other Kryptonian character in this episode but I think right. just watch watching this one you're like oh yeah okay she's she's got a little bit of an arc here herself where it's clear that she's uh you know what she wants more than anything is to be a you know she wants to be in the passenger seat for whoever the most powerful guy in the room is and I think that's like oh, okay that's interesting like that's a that's a little wrinkle that I feel like maybe I didn't pick up on uh, when I when I when I last watched this, which yeah, it's definitely been a few years uh, since I had seen this one, so I appreciated that, and I'm not sure if I would have been able to pick up on that as much if we had watched both parts here. There you go. Uh, I I concur with that. I did like a little bit of breathing breathing room for this week to uh, to sort of to digest this episode on its own. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visuals. And I believe you said this was a Coco Dong Yang production uh, mm-hmm. and it was uh, directed by Dan Reba and uh, written mm-hmm. by Bob Goodman. Uh, what stood out for you as far as visuals and animation are concerned? Well, we, we mentioned in the plot, the first thing that, that comes up, I think, is that it, we get almost right to the action right away. Um, once the the projector is found by Professor Hamilton and this this wild wacky creature comes uh, flying out of the Phantom Zone and starts flying all over the city and Superman has to go chase him, I I really like that design. Um, I feel like I always just attribute the weird alien designs to Glenn Murakami. I'm not sure if that's uh, if, that's, if this <laughs> was him as well or if this was a I don't know if this was Shane Glines or James Tucker or you know some of the other people that worked on character designs on the show, but. Uh, yeah, it's like it looks like it's like part like it's got a mouth like a like a catfish or something. And then it's got like kind of a the like, yeah, like a, uh, you know, a kind of a lizardy tail to it. And, and then these these kind of uh, like insectoid legs. It's a it's a really neat design. And then, yeah, just just Superman fighting a giant monster through the city and, and the way he kind of subdues it by <laughs> there are some guys working on a power line and and. I guess it's functioning and Superman just grabs it and rips it from the power lines <laughs> and, uh, and then uses the pole to sort of first sort of knock it back. Like he's like, he's swinging a big baseball bat and then he kind of uses it to pin the creature down while, uh, while Hamilton uh, uh, sends it back to the Phantom zone. I think that's pretty cool. Um, the Phantom zone effect, as far as like the, the white energy coming out of it, I don't really think that's anything to write home about when we see sort of peer into the little, the little viewer in the, in the, in the, in the window into the phantom zone. I, I mean, it's, it's Kirby as heck in there, isn't it? Oh my goodness. The crackle, the, the mm-hmm. light source, the, the red light source on their faces. I love the first shot too, when Superman peers in and you get this very horrifying view of this unnamed creature, humanoid type a character who's clearly screaming in agony and pain and the 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 camera just zooms in and it goes into the 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 
character's open mouth that's just screaming in pain. I, I loved that. I thought that was terrifying. Really good mm. visual, though. But yeah, it's clearly much more Kirby inspired. And I like it better than the uh, the Donner films choice of making it the <laughs> flattened diamond or whatever that was. The the floating yeah. the floating trapezoid uh, two dimensional trapezoid shape. Um, not, not anything wrong with those Donner films or how they chose to, to portray things. But I, I think that this, this just rings much truer for, for what this, this series needed. And, um, yeah, that the visuals inside the, the, the phantom zone were definitely something that I, that I had pointed out. So I love that the creatures are def- uh, just floating there. We get more of the phantom zone, of course, coming up in part two spoiler alert but uh yeah that was definitely something that stuck out for me as well yeah absolutely and then from there i mean we we see the the designs of jackson and mala um they kind of have this I, I i guess this is a prisoner uniform that they're in yeah i don't know the, Didn't like think it's, about it's hard it. to say <laughs> because they have different sort of like like military armor on in the in the flashbacks but then when they're being sent into the phantom zone they have these like green vests over these black leotards uh and uh like the, i don't think either one of their designs is, is particularly strong jackser jackser has like the 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 techie eye eye patch which is kind of mm-hmm. neat mm-hmm. but uh but uh, nothing i i didn't think i think their their visual style was you know too 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 impressive but um yeah, and we don't have a ton of action in the rest of the episode, other than like you said, the the brief training montage and and Mala roughing up the uh, the uh, the two thugs. But then we do get that that final action beat with where she tries to kill Lois, and uh, and when when Superman kind of finally springs into action, and and then she tosses him into that uh, the as you said, kind of the space needle looking. Uh, 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 building with the, with the restaurant and Superman. I really enjoy that sequence a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially the way Su- Superman kind of kind of has to. He gets knocked into it, and it sort of bent. The building sort of bends and falls over, and then the top of it, where all the people are, falls, and he has to catch it. And it's sort of he's still falling, even though he's catching it. And it's kind of slowing, and then you you kind of pan down to the street, and you see cars kind of breaking and swerving to get out of the way, and you see Superman come down. It looks like it's about to crash into it. And then finally you kind of cut to a close up, and you see him struggling. And then finally his arms start to move up and, uh, and, uh, and then he flies back into the sky and, and puts it down. I thought that's a really, really fun sequence. Again, very evocative of, of, of the way you would see Superman struggle with things in the old Fleischer cartoons where uh-huh. it's, where it's really like, there's a lot of movement and, and grimacing to his face. And he's really the, it's not it's just it's like it's not just that the thing is heavy, but it's probably like the the the, the architecture of it is is awkward for him. So mm-hmm. the way he kind of catches it, slows it down, and then pushes it back up and carries it back up, I think is a is a pretty fun sequence as well. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. That's that's the most between that and the as you mentioned the first scene where he has to battle the the flying slug monster lobster thing uh i I would (laughs) i would say i would say those were the the tense 
most tense moments of the episode. Um, we do get some remarkable violence where we see uh, see Mala grabbing Lois Lane and lifting her up by the throat. Um, I mm. thought that was pretty graphic, especially for, for this series. That was... Uh, a big no-no, I remember, at least from Batman, the animated series for the the standards and practices and what they would allow. You know, you couldn't grab people by the throat. You couldn't do super violent things that could be mistakenly reenacted by children on on onto each other. So uh, that was a big no-no, I know. But uh, yeah, that was re- remarkably pretty violent where she wraps her full hand around Lois's throat and begins lifting her up in that scene. Uh, where uh, she's she's uh, realizes that Lois is her competition for Superman's affections, and uh, but then then not only that, but then we get sort of some some light, but some uh, man on man on woman violence, which again I think is one of those things that uh, you're not uh, not always going to see or and, and didn't see a lot of uh, for for good reason. But uh, with this in this case, when you have two two characters that are equally powered here, it's uh, it's an opportunity for you to have that sort of intergender f- fighting going on there. So uh, having Superman just, just gently hurl, hurl her across the room uh, <laughs> after she's grabbed Lois, which uh, sort of uh, is Superman's way of returning the favor is when they were training, he had, he had Mala sort of run up and try and give a shoulder tackle, which she does and launches Superman across the room, crashing into a, a, brick fireplace in the in the star labs cabin so uh yeah so there's there's not a ton of action or tension that occurs in the action outside of those moments i thought where the creatures released in the first scene and then that scene where he's rescuing the the space needle restaurant so um yeah, I, th- I think the visuals are okay for this episode. I will say that this is definitely, you can tell whoever storyboarded this, um, or, well, this is this doesn't look like the TMS episode that we saw last week. Um, mm-hmm. Superman is noticeably smaller, uh, a little less barrel-chested, a little bit more uh, square. I will say the color palette feels a little weird in this episode, too, in the, in the, the very early part of the episode. It feels very yellowed. Um, hmm. it's very, even, even watching it on, uh, on HBO max, which is the HD remastered version of Superman the animated series. It felt, it just felt very discolored and I'm not sure what that, that was all about, but, um, the, the, that was a little bit distracting and the palette seems to be inconsistent. Like Superman is, is, uh, is pretty, is pretty light skinned early on in the episode. And then later on he gets a tan, like Superman gets super tan later on. Uh, not sure if he was hanging out with the, the good professor on the beach or what happened, but his, his skin tone changes colors and especially juxtaposed against Mala's skin tone. And it's just very, very inconsistent with the coloration. There was just something that I noticed. And there's one or two scenes where, uh, characters that didn't have whites of their eyes shown you could tell there was a cut to uh some, maybe somebody else did the storyboarding for a, a surprise reaction or something like that and both professor hamilton and superman who typically do not have the whites of their eyes showing uh, there's a cut to them being surprised and they both have the whites of their eyes showing so that stuck out to me uh, to me in that but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sitting right now at a five out of 10, just because I, I didn't think there was anything terribly interesting other than that, uh, that slug creature at the beginning. Um, uh, what about you? 
Yeah, I think I, uh, I think I ended up settling on a, uh, I'm, uh, I'm at a six right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like I said, I think there's some, the, the beat with the, with the alien and then the, the Superman struggling with the, uh, to, to kind of save the, the, the building at the end there. I think those are, those are definitely the high points and, and I do like the, uh, you know, getting, always getting to spend a little bit more time on Krypton and see these weird, like, you know, stormtrooper uh, outfits that, uh, that, uh, and, and Jarrell somehow working it so that, uh, I don't know, he plays some sort of signal through like an intercom system or something that, that delays them. And we get like the, the visualization of sound is always something that kind of cracks me up in these. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I kind of enjoyed that as well. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, that final bit there again, where you, you get across how how zero to sixty uh, Mala is, and and how vicious she can be from how she treats Lois to how she kind of deals in the fight with Superman, and the way that Superman's like flying, he has like one of her arms pinned back, and he's got his other arm kind of around her around her neck, and he's trying to fly her to uh, to Star Labs to the Phantom Zone, and uh, and, and the way she kind of kicks out of it and gets away i think is a is a fun sequence as well so the 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 difference in like their their super powered fighting styles i think was was kind of neat as well so it's definitely some highlights even if uh it seems like it was it wasn't the most spectacular action at least not maybe what you would expect for uh you know the first like fully powered kryptonian villain uh to showing up in the show yeah i don't disagree with that at all All right, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. I believe you mentioned at the top Christopher Carter responsible for this week's Mm -hmm. music. Um, As far as musical notes are concerned, I will say that the music that accompanies, there's a couple of scenes that uh, are are just straight up music. So uh, right when Professor Hamilton makes the gaffe and and releases this uh, giant creature uh, to wreak havoc on Metropolis, uh, we do get uh, some some interesting tension building music that includes flutes and strings and very orchestral, uh, but uh, it's it's definitely heightening the tension of the scene as Superman is rushing to prevent this giant creature that is now uh, also seemingly having uh, the the powers bestowed to him by the the yellow sun uh, from from destroying Krypton. So we get uh, we get some music that accompanies that with some some xylophone and strings and uh just some some good good accompanying music there and and uh then the aforementioned montage of of mala getting to use her powers is uh there's no dialogue at all uh, for for a significant portion there so we get this sort of whimsical fun it's almost like it it felt like it belonged in a musical or something like that where you (laughs) you would just see characters walking about and dancing to the dancing to the soundtrack <laughs> as if they could hear it not uh, not that superman and mala or or professor hamilton were dancing to the music but that just just the general feel of that a very very whimsical sort of disney montage soundtrack uh, sound alike there so uh and then the the music i think in the final scene as uh as superman comes upon uh, professor hamilton laying laying down and uh and seemingly injured and uh sharing the news that mala is uh has taken the projector and then the, the cut to her turning on the projector releasing jackser and then the ominous tone as she she welcomes him to earth and tells him that he's going to quite enjoy it as he sort of grins evilly towards her uh the the music sort of drawing
drawing to a halt here as it leaves us hanging for our uh, second part here. I thought that was, that was pretty strong too. What about uh, any, any notes that, uh, that I didn't cover that you picked up on? No, I think you covered it. I, yeah, I definitely, I, I guess I'll be curious to see if, if the music there played at the end when, uh, when Mala and Jaxer is, if that's like their theme, if that continues on into the music next week, but I, I did, I did note that as well. And then, and then, yeah, I, I like I said, uh, uh, we already talked about that sequence pretty much at length in visuals. But when he when he catches the uh, the top of the space needle, uh, runt, there's it's sort of this really dramatic, uh, you know, dr- dramatic moment, and the, and the music kind of reflects that as it's coming down, and the music is kind of coming, you know, coming down melod- melodically with him, and sort of getting more the more the dun 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 as it, as it looks like uh, it's about to end in tragedy, and then. Right as uh, as the 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 needle stops falling, and then you see Superman sort of rise back up into frame. You you bring the Superman theme in there, mm-hmm. which is just excellent, excellent use of that theme um, of uh, of Shirley Walker's Superman theme there. So, uh, yeah, I thought I think that's good. I and I think some of the, the music in the in the, the Krypton flashback as well is 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 quite fun as well. So, uh, right now I'm sitting at a six. We'll see if it uh, if it comes up a little bit more next week but uh, i did really enjoy the uh the the kind of the action beats of uh, of that final act and then certainly that uh, that to be continued kind of sting is uh, is very good as well yeah i gave it the same exact score six out of ten um we'll see again if the uh, the music plays a bigger role more more important role or there are more memorable moments next week um but it's a solid solid uh, p- part one uh, as far as the the uh, music that was scored there by Mr. Carter. Uh, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, which is going to be our voice acting. And uh, while we do not have a large cast here, uh, we do have some returning favorites, uh, even get some Corey Burton this week. Let's talk a little bit about our voice acting. Yeah. So, uh, so as you mentioned, we, we do get a little bit of Corey Burton as the, the benign uh, Alexa version of Brainiac. Um, we also have, uh, again, just fun to note the uh, the person making the monster noises because it almost always ends up being a, a voice actor who's done a lot of stuff. And in this case, it was uh, it was Jim Cummings, who is is probably best known as the the voice of Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> uh, doing the voice of uh, our Phantom Zone monster here, the or the sounds of the Phantom Zone monster, which I thought was very fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, otherwise, other than our, our two main villains, which we'll get to in a minute, we do have Victor Brandt as Emil Hamilton. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, he, he, he's there to uh, first kind of cause trouble by, uh, by playing with things he shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be. But he's also sort of the, the one there to, to bounce, uh, bounce dialogue and to do a little exposition about, uh, about the Phantom Zone and about, uh, about what should be done with Mala. So he kind of becomes, uh, I guess this is a good episode as far as maybe helping to establish uh hamilton as like a a confidant for superman a little bit more yeah i i'd say so i i think it it does certainly uh you know shed more light onto their uh, the relationship the two of them have and superman uh beginning to 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 trust him a little bit more and superman even willing to sort of let him uh, behind the curtain a little bit as to what he was thinking as he's sort of processing what's going on, uh, allowing the professor to sort of pick his brain and uh, him bouncing ideas off the professor on on what the strategy should be for dealing with her. So, yeah, um, I, this is hashtag my professor Hamilton, as, as we've discussed uh, that <laughs> that 
that Joker that plays him. Not that <laughs> we have nothing, but it's not. It's not because the performance is bad. It's just very different than what what he's played as, as in Superman the Animated Series. But uh, yes, it's a, it's very different once we get to Justice League Unlimited and that version of Professor Hamilton versus this one. This one's a lot warmer, a lot more uh, gentle and kinder, I would say, than what he eventually turns into. But then again, it's a different character sort of when we get into Justice League Unlimited also, as we've talked about. It's uh, very true. Professor's evil twin. <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, and then we, we, uh, we of course have our, our, uh, our two villains of the piece. Uh, we have uh, Ron Perlman as Jaxer, of course, a voice we've talked about many times on our show, voice of Clayface, voice of Slade and Teen Titans, and, uh, and quite a few other voice acting roles to his credit. Hellboy himself here, uh, minor role, but uh, he's, he's, again, he's a hoot in that, uh, in that flashback sequence uh, when, he's, when he's given the speech to the troops and then when he's, he's yelling, he's kind of, again, feel, very much filling the role that, uh, that Zod usually fills in the movies when he's being sort of all you know, yelly, shouty and, and defiant about being sent to the Phantom Zone and demanding to see Jor-El and, and all of this stuff before he, before he gets sent away. So that's fun, fun and, and we know there's more coming with, with him next week, certainly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a small portion here. It's mostly just him, him giving his speech uh, to, the, uh, to the, the Kryptonians that he's r- rallying around him. So uh, I'm sure we'll get more next week. And then, of course, uh, I, I still don't think this will be his defining role when it comes to the DCAU, but I could, <laughs> could, could be wrong. I have to wait and see, but yeah, this is uh, a fun little, uh, fun little taste of what we'll get. And of course, as mentioned, his uh, his right hand woman and really the chief villain for part one here is uh, Leslie Easterbrook playing Mala. Uh, folks would know her from uh, the Police Academy movies, as well as uh, Laverne and Shirley. She had a recurring role on that show in the eighties. But uh, it's funny because when when she first starts talking, I was like, this is a little too like 80s cartoon voice for me uh-huh, uh-huh. but the more sort of ridiculous and and fashy she gets as it goes on i'm like actually i think this kind of works <laughs> like she, she gets like more pompous and and sanctimonious as the episode goes on culminating in probably both the uh, the narrative and com- and maybe the comedic highlight of the episode which is uh which is her interaction with of course, Dana Delaney as Lois Lane when uh, when she's being interviewed and 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 Lois is kind of not so uh, not so subtly kind of prodding and and sort of making fun of her and and her sort of very self-righteous over the top reactions to that uh, to those uh, to those remarks. I think I think that's probably when the, the most fun comes. So it's one of those things where it started feeling maybe too over the top and too broad for me. But the more we kind of learned about who she is as a character, the more I feel like the the performance fit it, if that makes sense. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah, it was very over the top at first. And I think that's the whole thing is that she's a fish out of water. It's, you know, she's not supposed to really um, she's not really supposed to be very subtle, I guess. Mm-hmm. She's clearly a very she's a military woman. She comes out expecting to sort of be 
uh, once she realizes that the the human race is inferior to the Kryptonian race uh, on this on this earth, that uh, she sort of expects to be uh, acknowledged as more powerful and is relishing the fact that she's she's finally has this taste of power that she's been longing for for such a long time, uh, only for it to you know backfire and then for her to sort of have to try and subtly keep it under wraps to, in order to for her plan to you know either go free Jaxer or to try and coerce Superman into into coming to her or coming uh, coming to her side of things to, to seeing things from her point of view. Um, I, I think that 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 subtlety plays, but then the fact that she's not subtle at all and that she's just this, She's just this linebacker of a human being that's just, you know, rock and roll, just bam, breaking through doors, tearing roofs off of cars immediately, shaking guys down and and just really enjoying the fact that she's this overpowered uh, creature that's able to, to, to potentially rule over this, this group of people at long last. Uh, you know, it, I think the voice does match up pretty well with it when you look at what the character is supposed to be. It's just it is a little bit coming out of the gate that that strong and that that much <laughs> that does does feel a little bit rough at first. But then once you realize what the character's arc is and who the, the character really isn't ever set up to be this innocent, docile person it, or and there's no subtlety to her. It's just she's she's a Mack truck. She's going to hit you like and, and she's. <laughs> she's not not going to be subtle about it yeah totally agree and again her her then getting to play off of uh, uh of course superman we'll talk about in a second like i said i think especially uh, dana delaney is only in like uh, as lois lane is only in like two scenes she probably has less than like three minutes of screen time in this episode but she's so fun like everything she says in this episode is funny i misunderstood superman's role on earth i I don't want to rule your planet. I only want to help people, as Superman himself has sworn to do. Yeah, right. I'm Wonder Woman. Excuse me? Nothing. So tell me, are you guys an item? No. Yes. It's not like that. What? You'd spurn me? The last woman of your own kind? Oh, I see. You prefer the touch of these inferior creatures. Hey, who are you calling inferior? <coughs> You've seen your last yellow sunrise, woman. Mama. Yeah, she's she's great. It's all subtle, under like mumbling under her breath, <laughs> not believing who Mala is, not at all being like. Not that Superman and, and Lois are a couple, but not at all intimidated by this woman, just not buying it, mm-hmm. like not at all worried, not, a, not afraid to whisper under her breath. You know, she makes the comment, you know, yeah, and I'm Wonder Woman, um, which may or may not be depending on if you believe the DCAU wiki's trivia factoid, whether or not <laughs> it breaks continuity or not. But, uh, you know, it's it's a funny line. She's very sarcastic in this episode um, and really, really doesn't give much of a, a reaction to what's going on with this second Kryptonian showing up and <laughs> potentially taking her spot away and, and just not even, not even feeling threatened one bit. Yeah. It's a, it's a great deal of fun. And then of course, as mentioned, we have uh, we have Tim Daly as Superman again this week and 
he does he does get a lot to do as far as as we mentioned he he's sort of playing the uh you know the 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 hopeful to the point of almost naive uh that he could uh, you know that he could sort of rehabilitate or train train mala to be the uh you know to be his his partner in in crime fighting and that he could uh, that he could kind of have an ally and and somebody that would make him feel perhaps a little less alone but to me like the best the best bit is probably again after after she has threatened Lois Lane's life and he you know he grabs her and he's trying to fly her back to the thing and then she's and Mala's kind of scoffing at him that he cares about these, uh, you know, these insignificant creatures, these humans, and says that, you know, Jaxer would have, uh, you know, would have, would have been so much more vicious and ruthless. And he just very matter of factly states, I'm not Jaxer. Huh. I think I found your weakness. You care about that twig. I care about everyone, though you're pushing it right now. If Jaxer were in your place, the planet would be ours by now. I'm not Jaxer. No, you aren't. And uh, I think that might be his best his best delivery in the episode. But it's yeah, it's it's a solid outing. You know, he's he has to do a little bit of you know again the more hopeful side, and then there's him sort of reacting kind of like nervously and and sheepishly to uh, to to Mala's uh, advances as they were, and then. Uh, <laughs> And at the end, kind of when he when it, when it's time to get serious at the end, there he uh, I think he kind of brings it home pretty well there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, he has he has a lot of exposition to do outside of outside of Corey Burton's brainiac exposition. I think he's got most of the exposition and and uh, storytelling to do uh, outside mm-hmm. of uh, you know as we as we kind of get a, a glimpse into him. Uh, I would have liked to have been able to see, and it's not, it's clearly not his fault, but story-wise it would have been interesting to see him sort of struggle with the idea that we later see with him feeling lonely as the only, only surviving uh, member of Krypton, a story that is told uh, in almost every Superman medium here, but the idea that, Hey, we might have to return this girl back to the the phantom zone. And that's going to be hard for him to do because he was really hoping to have somebody else that understood. Like we don't really get that aspect of Superman in this because Mala is quickly making a mess of things and he's him sort of reacting to it. So it would have been interesting to hear that and, and hear how Mr. Daly would have, would have delivered those lines. But I think, I think for what we get in this episode, uh, it's a, it's a strong outing from him and, and uh, the, the rest of the cast, you, you know, even, uh, even, even uh, some of the players that, that don't get as much, uh, much to do in the, uh, in the episode. So uh, that's why I ended up giving at least for part one here, I'm sitting at a seven out of 10 for my uh, voice acting. Yeah. And I gave it the exact same score. So uh, right now we are uh, that I'm also sitting at the, at the seven out of 10, I think, I think we got good building blocks here and, uh, and with uh, a lot more Ron Perlman for, for next week's episode and, and more Dana Delaney and, and more Tim Daly. I think this could be a, that could be a recipe for uh, the scores going up. Hope, uh, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, but uh, we'll have to see when we come back to part two. Absolutely. Looking forward to tackling that next week, Liam. 
So uh, we'll, we will get our, our final scores for that week and, and tally everything up uh, once, we, uh, once we do get our final scores. So uh, looking forward to that as we get together. But uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in for this week's episode. Don't forget, give us your thoughts on this format of breaking up the two-parters into multiple episodes. Uh, do you like being able to sort of break down the episode a little bit more, hear our, our thoughts on it, and, and kind of sit in, in each part? Or, or do you prefer when we uh, combine them? Uh, tweet us at DCAU Review or head over to Instagram at DCAU Review and leave a comment on one of our posts there. I know uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uncertainty with, the, uh, with the, the Twitter universe right now. So if, if you don't follow us on Instagram, head over there to at DCAU Review. We do, uh, we'll, we'll make an effort to do some more posting there and options for you to interact. And uh, you can always leave a comment or send us a, a DM. Our DMs are open. So you can always send us a DM on there if you have thoughts or, or questions or uh, any ideas that you want to share with us. But uh, at DCAU Review, uh, on those formats is the best way to get in contact with us and interact. Uh, we would love your support of the podcast, and there are multiple ways that you can do that. Uh, you can, of course, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a five-star review. And if it uh, allows you to leave a little paragraph about what you like, you could do that. Uh, you can also uh, you can also subscribe to us on the Pod Tower, as we mentioned. Head over to YouTube.com/slash the Pod Tower. And uh, subscribe to that channel, like our videos when we post them, comment on those videos. We appreciate the interaction there. If you want to support us monetarily, there are a few different options. There is a link at the bottom of our anchor.fm site that you can subscribe. Uh, you know, if you want to tip us uh, enough for a coffee every month or something like that, hey, we would appreciate that. Uh, there's a link there that you can do that. We appreciate those of you that do support us monetarily. And if you want to get something for your money instead of just giving us a coffee, head over to dcaureview.com and check out the store tab. You can pick up piece of merchandise if you'd like to and support us that way liam as uh, as we've been talking about all episode we are continuing next week with uh with part two here i'm excited uh, to delve a little bit into the jack sir character i think uh we we mentioned last week but uh, we might have some time to discuss uh why these versions of the characters as opposed to some of the uh maybe well more no uh more well-known uh, characters uh, uh, adversaries of Superman with Kryptonian origins were chosen. So uh, looking forward to, uh, to picking up this next week as we, uh, as we wrap up part two of blasts from the past. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. And yeah, definitely, definitely want to hear feedback uh, again, whether you, you can DM us or, or leave a comment on our Insta, or uh, you can still tweet us for now. Uh, so just let us know what you think of this this format and uh, and what you think of of this episode of Superman and do you uh, do you like this version of the uh, the Kryptonian general do you like the Jackster character a little bit more do you wish it had stayed closer to him being sort of like a an evil version of Jarrell would that have been more interesting than kind of mashing him into a, sort of a, a mix a mixture of of him and Zod I'd, I'd like to hear people's perspectives on that as well so. Definitely hit us up and uh, let us know what you think and then come back next week for the exciting conclusion. Absolutely. Can't wait. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on next week's episode of the DCAU. To be continued. <laughs>